It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey Brewers fans, welcome to another episode of Brewers Unfiltered. Right now, we're just a few days away from opening day, and the Brewers won't have their starting third baseman. What will they do at third base without Luis Urias? And with a shortened spring training, are pitchers going to have issues once regular season games start? Joining me to answer those questions and more are MLB.com's Brewers correspondent Adam McAlvey and former Brewer Tim Dillard. And today you're both coming to me from Arizona. Adam, how is Tim doing down there? Uh, he is doing great and he's off to a really great start because the first game he broadcast for Bally Sports Wisconsin featured players uh, that are very, very deep into the media guide. Um, and they don't have any names on their jerseys. There was a batting out of order situation that I'm sure was fun for Tim and, and BA. So it was, it, you know, if you're going it, to, it's like all, it's easy peasy from here, Tim. Yeah, th- that's what BA said. You know, when you have one of the best in the game going, man, this is hard. It's like, what, really? Oh, cool. I thought it was just me. Everything I do, it seems like it's difficult. But yeah, Sunday's game was, was, uh, was pretty eventful in a lot of ways. But I had a blast. Either way, I'm going to have fun. It may be a train wreck, but I'm going to have some sort of amusement. Well, you're killing it. And we're going to get you for... A number of games this year, which is pretty exciting, because whenever Jeff Levering's unavailable or Rock's unavailable, you'll be filling in, taking uh, some commentary over with BA and Jeff Levering. Yeah, they they made I signed a contract, and they were like, "We'll give you a minimum of ten games in the booth." And I was like, "Okay." And they're like, "And free coffee." And I was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> Where do I sign? Do I have a seal like in like the old timey medieval, like melted wax? Put my ring on there. Either way, it's done. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to hear more Tim Dillard. I think everyone feels they could use more Tim Dillard in their life. And, you know, because following that sentiment, let's start off with Tim. The Brewers are looking at a hole at third base to start the season with Luis Urias on the IL. How are we going to solve that as a team? What are they going to do with that position? Well, luckily, you get when you do a broadcast, they give you a piece of paper with a bunch of information on it. I think it comes from Mike Vassallo. I have no idea. Uh, but I looked on here and it's like, well, okay, who's been playing third base in spring training? That's a clear, easy way to figure out who's who's got a chance, right? At opening day. So you go back to innings by position. Position. Jace Peterson has played third base for 38 innings and in seven starts. That's a that's the most. And then you got Mark Mathias, 22, but he was reassigned to AAA. Then you got Mike Brasso, who we like. 17 innings and Pablo Reyes 17 innings. So right now it looks like Jace Peterson at the top of the list. But if they need a righty, they can go. Uh, in another direction, but at the same time, I, it's going to be it's going to be a committee thing, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's Jace on opening day. Assuming it, have we gotten Kyle Hendricks as the Cubs starter yet? Did I miss that because I'm my head's in the sand in Brewers camp? But I'm guessing. I it, think so. You know, it's yeah. Hendricks or Stroman for those first couple of games. So Jace as the lefty has a chance to play. And remember how good he was last year at the beginning of the season offensively. The OPS was way over 800 early and then it tapered off towards the end um but he he's the kind of guy that 
is perfect to have in a situation like this where you think it's a, a shorter term thing. Um, Weicho stalled for sure. Like they thought he was going to miss maybe that opening road trip. And he, he, you know, he's frustrated because he says it doesn't, the quad doesn't hurt. It just doesn't like, can't trust it yet. When he gets out there to run, it doesn't feel right. When you try to explode on the base paths or into a sprint, um, out there in the outfield as they're testing it. So it looks like that, that road trips out. And the latest we heard from Kirk council is that opening homestand maybe out as well, but they still, the bottom line is they don't think this is going to be like, you know, a month long absence, a two month absence. So you'd fill in with, I think Peterson and then Brasso uh, as the right-handed option or Pablo Reyes, but um looks like Pablo will probably start in the minor. So Brasso will be the, the main right-handed option there. And, and Tim, you said it, who we like, I mean, Mike Brasso is like a big bag of fun, and I think he's going to be someone Brewers fans take to pretty quickly. I think it comes down to good at bats. I mean, they all three of those guys that could fill in for Urias, all of those guys put together good at bats. And you start looking at the end of spring, that's as a hitting coach or a manager, that's all I'm looking for. You know, the result is going to take care of itself when the season starts. Then you can kind of, you know, weed people out here and there on how they're performing. But you want to see good at bats. And I mean, Jace, Brasso, and Reyes have all been doing a great job. Right. And we talked too about the depth of the infield. And I think it's, it, although it's maybe short at shortstop compared to the other positions at third base, as they really seem to be in a good position where it, if they want to go platoon, they can, they, if they want to platoon in the game, they can, and then also bring in another pinch hitter. So you can either go straight platoon as starters. You can have that depth of uh, flex in, in the middle innings and actually have a, I think some pretty good replacements who performed fairly well. I mean, Jace performed outstanding for the Brewers last season. And we know that Brasso brings some power of his own and some offensive ability along with some sound defense. So I think, yeah, that's you guys said it hit the nail on the head. Well, you, you mentioned it again, and I'll wear this out on maybe ho- hopefully not every episode of the podcast, but it'll come up on the first two that it's, it's shortstop where they're, you know, if something happens to Willie Adamas where he misses a little time, that's going to be interesting because it, if Pablo Reyes isn't on the team at the start, it would be Brasso. And he, he started a game at shortstop the other day, so he can play there. But, you know, long longer term, you'd probably have to make a move. And it's like, keep your eyes on Bryce Terang this year. I think he has the potential to be the, the big-time position prospect that makes an impact on this team. And a lot of pitchers have come up and made an impact on this team. But, you know, maybe since Keston Hira, is that the last, like, you know, stud position prospect that's come up and done it. I, that That's the one that comes to my mind, at least. Um, so I think Terang has the potential to be uh, one of those guys when you wake up in the morning and look at your minor league box scores, I would I would circle circle his name. Yeah, it's what Grisham was a little after Hira, but it was that same year where really that was 2019 was the last time we really saw that out of the farm system. Yeah, so, I, you know, and Terang can play D and that's what you want, you know, but but again, it's really, I'm not, Willie Adamas is the guy, I'm, I'm, but you know how they think when they put these rosters together, they're, they're thinking about scenarios and trying to cover their bases and what would happen if this and if that, and I think, um, I just have Terang as a guy that has a, a, a chance to, to make an impact just because of the nature of some of their extra guys this year are not exactly shortstops. Right. I think that makes sense. He'll be in a second year AAA developmentally and how you're looking at how players climb that ladder completely adds up. And we watched plenty of pitchers climb the ladder. Aaron Ashby, of course, is the one right now ready to make that next big impact that Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta have made. But his role's a little 
up in the air. What do you think that role is going to be in 2022? And what kind of potential does he have for the season, Adam? Well, look, you're following in the footsteps of going back to Woodruff, really, in 17, a prospect who comes up and dabbles in the pen, makes some starts when you need it, goes back to the pen, and it's just incumbent on those guys to perform in that unsteady uh, routine. And those other guys really did it. And, and I think I just think it's really important that Aaron Ashby can look around in the room and see all those guys who've done that. And it's, it's Woodruff, it's Burns, it's Freddie Peralta. Adrian Hauser did it a little bit. Um, they've all sort of gotten their early innings in the big leagues in this kind of controlled fashion, starting and relieving. And I think that's what Ashby will do. So there's going to be periods where they use six starters again. The early season schedule this year, April, is actually like relatively full. Like usually last year, April, I think they had an off day once a week at least. Uh, this year they have one off day total in the month of April, just the way the schedule broke down. So they're going to need, I think, some extra arms early. So Ashby has a chance to make an impact early. And, and it's going to be as that kind of swing man back and forth, manage the innings a little bit, get his feet under him in the big leagues, which he started to do last year when he really – thrive for the most part in relief. Um, and, and I think that's the, the way he's going to make an impact. And those innings are huge. And Tim can speak to this a lot better than I can because of the way that like one day impacts the next. And if Ashby can be, can, can be solid in that role, whether it's giving you five innings as a starter one day or giving you three big innings of relief in a game that has a huge impact on the next day and the week that follows. And I think that's going to be one of the, the big parts of his job this year. Well, and that's the first month of the year. The first month is always the toughest because your starters aren't built up like you want and anything can happen. So they do have the expanded roster, 28 guys through April. Uh, that's going to help. But so on the broadcast, we had David Stearns on Sunday and after this was off once we were off air and he was trying to leave and I grabbed him and I was like, don't leave. But I asked him, I was like, which player in all of camp has impressed you? Like not saying they were like bad last year or something like who's grown the most, where have you seen the most impact uh, individually? And he didn't even hesitate. And he said, Aaron Ashby. And I was like, hey, Aaron, really? Because um, his stuff's already electric. We saw last year the slider, the fastball. I mean, the guy's throwing 97 and it's a two seam. Like by the time guys recognize it's a fastball, it's already moved away from the zone and they're swinging at air. And th this guy's stuff is electric and he's 23 years old. And uh, you start asking about roles. And he, on Sunday, he, he didn't have a very good outing. Uh, he, he was kind of sporadic. He got hit. There were a lot of ground balls that just found holes. And then right when he's done with this outing, he's in the dugout talking to Sophia on the sideline. They got a microphone, and she's asking him questions. And the one thing that impresses is just how mature this guy is, knowing that it's a spring training. It's about getting your reps in and what it means going forward. And his role is a Swiss Army knife. Am I going to start today? Am I going to be, you know, in the bullpen? Am I throwing, you know, the meaningful innings in the bullpen? Or am I just filling innings? Like, he's willing to be that Swiss Army knife. And let's be honest, that's where uh, Craig Council and David Stearns loves to do stuff with this team, this Brewers team. They want guys to play all over the place and able to do that and be comfortable doing that. And a guy this young, willing to take on that responsibility, uh, it's pretty It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's and it's it's... Uh, some of that may be big league bloodlines, right? Like his uncle was a really good uh, major league pitcher, Andy Ashby. And um, how he and, and Aaron was kind of around the game a, a lot. And, and you pick up things about preparation and when to get upset about an outing and when to let it go and all those things. And, 
you know, Tim, you know a lot about that, right? About about being around the game when you're when you're growing up is the, you can't you can't replace that for a, for a player. And there's again Bryce Trang, another guy whose dad played in the big leagues. Um, you gain something from from just being around the game and and kind of watching. They always talk. They don't talk about the the watching their dad or uncle or whatever it is play the game. The guys always talk about watching them prepare to play the game. That that's where you learn the most. That's where you pick up the most knowledge. And I think that Ashby, even though you know it's not his, it's his uncle, so it's a little different. But still, you you pick up a lot of that stuff just from being around the sport and watching these guys uh, do their craft. Their craft. Their craft. Yeah, I would say it's more of they're pumping perspective. Yeah. Uh, that's what I felt like I got. Like maybe I didn't, I didn't have the best stuff in the world, obviously, (laughs) but as far as dealing with it, I did have an outlet, right? Like if you need to talk about things, uh, you don't always want to go to a spouse or a coach or a teammate, you know, people that are kind of going through this stuff, whatever. I had a dad that I could call up and be, and just talk like, golly, can you believe this? The umpire did this and Bob, and this is what I'm struggling with. And my dad would just be an ear, you know, he probably put the phone down. A lot of times walked away and came back, but I did have that outlet. I think these guys that do have a connection to family members that played, they feel very comfortable just kind of letting that be an outlet. Uh, and for any young player, I mean, you got to have that ear to, to bend. And you, if you do it to a teammate, they're going through the exact same thing. So you kind of want to steer clear of that. But if you do have that outlet, it is an advantage. You know, I'm taking advantage, Brad, of the fact that people know that Tim's dad played in the big leagues. Maybe we should actually say that out loud. That Tim's dad played in the big leagues. It's in my. It's on my bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, tell uh, what kind FYI. of player was your dad? I don't, honestly don't even know what what kind of player was was Steve Dillard. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Get to know your get to know your team, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Get yeah. to know your no, coworker day. Yeah, he was a middle infielder. Came up with the Red Sox. His okay. first game, I guess, was at uh, Fenway Park in front of. Uh, the, the green monster have a picture on the wall used to and then he went to the Tigers and was traded over to the Cubs had a few good years with the Cubs um, was actually player of the week for the National League and back when they had that billboard uh, at Wrigley I think it was like in right field they would put that sucker up there and um, he has a bat that has like a gold plated thing you know so I always saw that growing up and I was probably about eight or nine or ten before I realized like wait a second my dad played in the big leagues like I knew that but now I'm like what but he was middle infield so I've always had a heart for guys that play the field that guys that play every single day because I was a back you know <laughs> I was a relief pitcher sidearm I played as much as the bat boy uh, so for me to complain <laughs> about something you know, like how my back hurts, it's like, well, try playing 160 games a year, you know, so I don't know. It gave me a lot of perspective. I just wanted to say that just because, you know, I'm, like I said, I think many listeners know that Tim's dad played, but I sort of like, yeah. threw that out there without actually saying it. No, love you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad worked in the printing industry. He was an estimator and he built projects like when, when you went to the store and there was the Nintendo display at the end of the aisle. My dad like figured out how to build those and print them and and put them in stores, which is also a really cool job. So hi, dad. Yeah, I've probably stolen a couple of those. <laughs> right. That's uh, actually, I think Tim brings up a good point there is Adam, you're, dad's work is probably displayed in someone's man cave or nerd cave or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, not to make this about me again, we were talking about Tim's dad who played major league baseball and we actually had a point to talk about that. But I just, you know, if my dad is listening, I didn't want him to feel like we didn't talk about him too. Is father's day coming up? When is that? I have no idea. It's in June. (laughs) June. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're a little early. You're good. You got, you're good. (laughs) 
Tim, let's get the dads together for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. That's my my we'll dad works it. the gates here, so he's probably bothered you while coming in because he often gets placed over by media and he really loves to... Uh, he's he's a chatter and he wants to be part of the scene. Wait, is so. that true? I I I yeah. literally this is the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah, we've yeah, met he, your uh, dad. Likely, yes. Oh my god, you never said that. <laughs> Didn't he, know that. I like to have fun secrets. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, now we're drifting. Now I think you should ask the next question because that's well, yes, the dangerous. Territory. Talking about how. <laughs> Tim's dad was the inspiration for him to become a relief pitcher. I think it's time that we talk about relief pitchers. And there's a few dark horse bullpen candidates we know in Brewers past that these guys have really been key factors coming into the season. We look at years past, I mean, even last year, Brad Boxberger, Hunter Strickland, names we weren't necessarily talking about, ended up playing crucial roles. So when we look at guys like Trevor Gott, Luis Perdomo, or Jose Urena, who are you most Urania. excited about? Urania. Council Urania. is honest to say this correctly. Urania. 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 I'm normally, ah, I'm mad at myself because normally I think that's very important. Like yeah. I, I go in and I learn, but this, it's been a little busy as we'll talk about later. I got some life things going on, so my homework hasn't been as good. So we got Trevor Gott, Luis Perdomo, and Jose Urania coming in. Which of those dark horse bullpen candidates are you most excited about, Tim? Uh, I wrote down one name, Luis Perdomo. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's this year's Brad Boxberger. Um, and the seven and a third innings, he's got a one, two, three ERA. He's only given up one run. That was a solo home run, which let's be honest, that's Arizona. Totally I mean, if you get through spring yeah. training. Yeah. If you get through spring training and don't give up a solo home run, like, <laughs> are you even careful. trying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that just means you're not throwing strikes. But what's interesting is he is throwing strikes. He hasn't walked anybody. He's only struck out three. He's a ground ball machine. And I mean, let's be honest, you're going to play at American family field for a majority of your games. You want a guy that can, if you're not going to strike out anybody or strike out a ton of people, you better get that ball on the ground. And I think that's why Luis Perdomo is just, he's, he's risen to the top. Yeah. Former Padre always had a great arm. He's played with Urias and Renfro and all these former Padres who are here. The Brewers signed him when he was coming off Tommy John. They gave him a two-year deal as a two-year minor league deal, knowing they were going to have to rehab him for year one and then hopefully have him in year two. And, you know, when the lockout was going on, there was, remember the rule five draft is normally this thing that happens in December, where if you're not on a 40 man, and you have a certain level of experience, you, other, another team can pluck you away. And I think there was some concern that um, Perdomo was going to be a good candidate for some team to grab him away, like let the Brewers rehab him for a year, and then let's get him and actually watch him pitch. Uh, then the Rule 5 draft didn't happen, and I think there was a, like a little bit of a sigh of relief because they really wanted to see what they have, and it's been really, really good. Tim mentioned it, ground ball machine. It's that sinker. Um, he can be a multi-inning guy for you in the pen, which again is going to be really important early because we're seeing these starters get to like 80 pitches in the short spring training. So there's not, there's no one's going to come out throw 110 pitches in their first turn through the rotation. There's going to be innings there for relievers. Um, so he's, he's a good one. I will though, I just said all that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Trevor got mostly because a friend of the pod, Kurt Hogue, uh, one of the new uh, reporters that's on the Brewers beat writing for the journal Sentinel, former uh, brewers.com intern, um, is like Mr. Trevor Gott, and he's a fascinating guy. He's like a four-pitch reliever, and he closed some games for the Giants in 2020. The Brewers signed him on the first, like the day after game six of the World Series, so you know that it's somebody that they liked because it was all ready to go, um, and they have some ideas, you know, and they're Chris Hook and now Jim Henderson and Walker McKinvin and 
all the analysts that we don't ever hear their names uh, who are really good at identifying how to get pitchers to be really at their best. Uh, they, they think there's something in this guy. They, he, he loves it. He says he's loved the information he's gotten because they say they don't just like bring up an idea. They bring up an idea and then say, here's all this data to support why. And he, he's loved that. So he just seems like a good fit for the sort of ethos of this organization. And they think that there's something there. So we'll see if he's this year's Jake Cousins uh, or Hunter, Hunter Strickland. You know, with that information, I think Urania is the guy that I'm most excited about. We haven't seen a lot of him because he was signed late in camp, but also historically, it always seems like that guy who comes in late in camp always ends up being incredibly important. And although he's a guy who hasn't had a lot of success in the majors in terms of he's pitched in the majors pretty consistently, but it's not the numbers that people drool over per se. You look at what he's, him just pitching for this long, I think says something to what teams see in his ability. And when you look at a team like the Brewers who take the information Adam was just talking about and maximize what someone does well in order to perform, it really intrigues me in what the entire organization saw in Urania to bring him in. And also what other organizations have seen to keep him around so long that he really gets me excited as this true dark horse candidate to come in and all of a sudden get really important innings mid to late season. Yeah. And look, I mean, his first outing, he, he, he came in late. They signed him late. He was in limbo for a little bit. They had to work out some details of the contract. It was a little, a little funky the way it got done, but he was throwing 98 <laughs> against the Rangers in that game. Tim broadcast Tim. That was, I, I'm thinking one of the highlights of the outing because the rest of that game wasn't that great, but Urania was at least pumping gas and that velo surprised me. I, I didn't, I, I know he was through hardish with the sinker, but I was thinking like 95 and he comes out with 98. So who knows hot gun or whatever down here, but that was uh, that, that, that definitely stood out. 97, 98, four strikeouts. I mean, he, he the, there was so much life on that ball. It was just, it, it's like the hitter wasn't even there. You could just tell he was excitement and his arm action. And you talked about got as well. Those guys just have incredible arm action. I think the Brewers sit there and they see the bones of what they ha- and of what a player has, and then they're like, "We're going to break the ceiling." Like you haven't been your best yet, and the Brewers have proven that over and over again with guys that come over. They're like, "You're here, and your your stuff is great, and we're going to make it better." And so they're just breaking the ceiling over and over again, especially for relievers. All right, guys. Well, great talk on bullpen, but more exciting news is. Adam and Tim's favorite game, old-timey baseball I've had names. I've anxiety are back. about this for a whole week. <laughs> After the break, we'll see if Tim or Adam can guess which old-timey baseball name is real and finally get one right. Oh Yeah, we'll, so we'll see. In, in, in other words, we're going to no get shot. them all wrong again. <laughs> I've got Google standing by. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back for one of my favorite segments. (laughs) 
old-timey baseball names. Here's the rules. We're going to start with Adam this time. Adam's going to get three names. Only one of them is real. If he gets it wrong, Tim has a chance to steal. Then we're going to go over to Tim, give him three names as well. And same thing, if he gets it wrong, Adam gets a chance to steal. And we'll keep a tally throughout the season to see how this is going. How, how is it going see, so far, Brad? 0-0. Uh, zero, zero. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's great. <laughs> well, uh, both hosts may have gotten two guesses and uh, got some wrong. Hopefully, I haven't checked the comments or the inbox yet, but if a statistician can tell us how unlikely that is, <laughs> we'll find out later, especially if they don't get one right today. Three choices. We each get a guess after one eliminated one of the choices. Yes. And we still each got all of them wrong. That's the yes. math. That's what we need a mathematician to tell us. I'm I'm so, I think this is like gonna blow our minds how implausible <laughs> that is. It's it's basically the Monty Hall question like in practice and then done twice. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam, okay. are you ready? ready? Are you locked in? I, I am, and I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it right. All right, Sibby Sisty, Ranch Brown, Bub Blowfish. Your names are Sibby Sisty, Ranch Brown, or Bub Blowfish. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean... <sighs> I mean, come on, they all sound like just normal names. Um, one of my first concerts in high school was Hootie and the Blowfish. And the opening act was Sophie B. Hawkins. Remember Sophie B. Hawkins? No. Oh, really? <laughs> ah, Brad, you're such a such a young child. Um, so I'm going to say, uh, on um, uh, in honor of uh, Becky Ronk, Mary Mashewitz, and Adam going to see Hootie and the Blowfish in probably 1995 or four or three, I will say Mr. Blowfish. Well, you would be wrong again. <laughs> All right, Tim, you're between Sibby Sisty and Ranch Brown. Yeah, I'm a huge Hootie, Hootie and the Bluefish fan, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I wouldn't guess that one. I'm going to go the ranch, the ranch name. Say it again. Randy Ranch, ranch Brown. Can it happen two weeks in a row, folks? It's Sibby Sisty, 13 years with the Boston and Milwaukee Braves from 1939 oh, to 1954. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, 13 years? How, yep. how long did he play in Milwaukee? Do you have that information handy? I, I do not have it handy, but until 1954, so when Milwaukee moved over. Yeah. Well, I got a, I got a good excuse. I didn't write a book. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, this is unbelievable. Hey, he wrote a book about the Brewers, not about the Braves. <laughs> so he left impossible. for three years to serve in World War II during okay. his time in baseball, and he had a 637 career OPS. All right, Tim. Okay. Buckle up. We got three Jeez. names for you, too. So, Hamster Jones, Phenomenal Smith, or Busili Michaels. That's Hamster Jones, Phenomenal Smith. Or Fusili Michaels. Phenomenal Smith is not a fun thing to say back-to-back. Yeah. I'm going to go with Hamster. Oh, you're going with the Hamster. Hamster the Jones. Hamster. That's yeah. a fun guess. But we only have one more opportunity to get a correct answer today. Adam, Phenomenal Smith or Fusili Michaels. Poor do you hamster. know, do you, have you ever seen that clip of the contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and they're going for a million dollars? and Phone a friend. They phone a friend and it's their dad and they say, I don't need help. I just wanted to tell you I'm about to win a million dollars. You know yeah. this. 
I am about to win a million dollars because I know this because over the off season, we did a project where we uh, wrote about the best players born on every date. So you can go on MLB.com, search like best players born on every date or baseball birthdays and find a story. And I had, I picked dates like I picked Uke's birthday, Gorman Thomas's birthday, uh, Craig Council's birthday, and I forget who it was, but one of my names was Phenomenal Smith. Well, unfortunately, we're still going into the week zero. No, just kidding. Adam, you got it right. You won a million dollars. Oh my God. I was about to say, you're going to have to edit that whole thing out because I got the thing wrong. Phenomenal Smith. Did he play for the, ah, I just wrote this like two months ago. Well, his career spanned from 84 to 91. Dodgers? Uh, I don't have the team here. Okay. He played for the American Association before unofficially merged with the National League. He pitched in yeah. 491 innings in 1887. Tim, how does that sound to you? 1887? It sounds like it's been a while. Well, throwing 491 <laughs> innings in a season. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you just had a pitcher. It's like, what position you play? I'm the pitcher. Oh, yeah. Well, you just That's all you do is you throw. <laughs> right? Well, he had a solid 389 ERA for his career. So, phenomenal, Smith. We have one on the board. Adams winning the season with one. Only because in the crazy – I mean, again, how about a mathematician to figure out? (laughs) I wrote five birthday stories, so five out of 365 days, and then that this player happened to be one of the guys that I wrote about. That is the only reason – that I got this right. Well, I'm on the honor code. I won't look up any names. I won't write any stories. I can promise you that. Yeah, yeah. No cheating. <laughs> so here's my fun fact. Because, because I wrote about this guy. Here's my fun fact about him. His, he was like a young guy. He came up to the big leagues after, as, as Brad said, pitched in the uh, American Association. And he talked some trash. Like he was brash. So his teammates purposely tanked his only start <laughs> in response and the, re- the resulting pitching line was eight innings, 12 hits, 18 runs, 11 earned, and a demotion. <laughs> I've done that without my teammates against me. <laughs> wow. I'm on the board, baby. <laughs> All right. Back to Brewers moments. It's why everyone's here. It's what we want to talk about. We have a, a fun look at the first few weeks. You know, opening day is this week. We're taking on the Cubs. I can't wait to sit in the photo well at 40 degree weather in Wrigley. That's going to be fun. So what is the biggest thing fans should be watching for in the early part of the season, Adam? As the Brewers get going, they take on the Cubs. What do fans need to keep an eye on? Well, I'll let Tim talk about the pitching because I think that's going to be a big... Well, I'm assuming what he's going to say, so I'll tee him up for that. I will actually say um, I think it's underrated the impact that the short spring had on the hitters, and that's one thing Craig Council talked about from the very start because I think a lot of us were focused on the fact that the pitchers were only going to get, it turns out for the Brewers, three Cactus League outings before they go into the regular season. But when you look at what hitters normally, a lot of hitters normally want 50, 60 plate appearances in the spring to feel like they're ready, and they're not getting anywhere close to that. I think as we sit here, low cane has like 13 plate appearances. Other guys are going to be around 20. So it's it's a pretty significant drop from the amount of live pitching that they would normally see. And then you add on top of that, April is always suppressive of offense because it's cold and the pitchers are usually a little bit ahead and it's just hard to hit. And especially now, it's like insanely hard to hit in baseball. Um, that's the story of the sport. So 
I, I actually kind of have my eyes on the hitting and, and what will the offense look like because the Brewers brought in two new hitting coaches, three really, uh, with Ozzie Timmons, um, um, Connor Dawson, and Matt Erickson. There's a story on Brewers.com about <laughs> how those guys shameless uh, got plug. to shameless plug of the week. Um, so I, I sort of think that that is going to be a, a pretty – uh, uh, something to keep an eye on, and I think it's going to be a work in progress. The Brewers need to be better offensively. They that let them down late last year, and uh, it's going to be. I'm intrigued to see sort of what it looks like early on, and, and I think the hitters might need a little bit of time to uh, to sort of find it as things warm up. Mo, are we supposed to be like? Is this a general thing or more specific, Brad? What do we got? Let's take it as a general Brewers thing. What what specifically should fans be watching for? Uh, <laughs> That's confusing. Do you want general or specific? In general, what specifically? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wrote down like what am I personally going to be watching for, and I got I got a couple of things. I'm going to be watching and rooting for Yelich and Hira. I, I I just there's something about their approaches. There's something about uh, the last two seasons not being maybe what they wanted, and. And then going into this season, you probably knew before the lockout, these guys were probably just raring to go, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and that's what you do over an offseason. You're like, even if you had a great year or if you had a disappointing year, you're always about going forward. And so for me, early on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch Yelich. I'm going to watch Keston. I'm just going to see uh, just the differences from maybe last year's to, to this year. And, and that's going to be intriguing because I think, I think they're both poised to do something pretty amazing. And then I'll, I'm also looking for uh, basically every starting rotation guy, like every starter the Brewers have. Because if you look, if they want to make history this year, uh, it, 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 every team has to have that core of guys that go out on the mound and, and just are the center of this whole thing. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. And plus, now that you have a DH, what is that going to mean for the pitchers? Like maybe it won't add up to a, a lot of significant innings, but there are those moments that pitchers need to get over that hump and not get pulled out of the game early. Um, and, and that's why I'm looking for those uh, few things. That's going to be big. Tim, talking about the pitchers, do you think, as Adam mentioned, that shortened spring has any impact? What are things we need to watch for the pitchers headed into the season? Well, I will say this. It, you start looking at guys that have uh, their unique, their signature pitch, and then you see how they're locating that pitch. Like Corbin Burns, we saw his cutter the other day against the Mariners. It, it's good. Like, and so if he'd had nothing else – he could get through a game just throwing cutters. Saw Brandon Woodruff Sunday. Uh, his fastball was good. Four-seamer, two-seamer. If he had to just throw that fastball, he could get away with it. Uh, Freddie Peralta slider. Adrian Hauser sinker. Haven't seen a lot of Lowers uh, invis a cutter at the top of the zone. But for the most part, all they need to do is make sure they get that one pitch conquered. And then the rest of the stuff kind of falls into place. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as far from what I've seen, I've only been out here a max of like two and a half days. But... <laughs> Uh, I, I think it looks good. So we got a couple rivalry matches coming up early on. We got the Cubs and Cardinals in the first three series. Adam, I think even the Cubs are starting to show that they aren't going to be pushovers for the division. What should fans expect out of those two teams in 2022? Well, I agree with you. I think it's been sort of a given that the Cubs, after trading away Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and basically their team, the, the World Series team, that they would just be, you know, pushovers and sort of be in full-blown rebuilding. But then they signed, you know, Jan Gomes was an interesting signing for them. And then obviously Marcus Stroman was a big one for the rotation. Um, and 
um, and Suzuki, Suzuki the outfield, Suzuki. yeah, the outfielder that they signed to a five-year deal. So they are a, a, a sort of an unknown. Um, are they caught in the middle or are they like sneaky competitive? And and I don't know. The one thing I know is that when the Brewers play the Cubs, it's like it's just always a good game, especially at Wrigley. And the reason is that at Wrigley, the press box has no elevator. You have to walk down the ramps like County Stadium days. So you have to like for a packed day in August, you leave in like the top of the ninth and inevitably craziness happens. So that's. I experienced that ramp for the first time, and it's no last season. It's no joke. It's no joke getting up there. Yeah, it's also a twisting labyrinth. It's terrifying, kind of. It, it is, yeah. So, the, but it's it's always just super competitive game. So, I, 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 you know, the Cubs are. I don't have the Cubs winning the division. I don't think they'll be picked many by many to win the division. But I do think they'll be a decent team and a competitive team. So, and then. Um, you know, the Card- you mentioned the Cardinals early, right off the bat for the, the first home series. They're going to be the Brewers' chief competition, I think, in, in El Central. So there's no, uh, you know, there's no easing into the season. It, you get some rivals right away. Right. And Tim, how do you feel about those two division rivals specifically? We haven't seen a lot of Cardinals in spring training, obviously, because they're over in Florida. But we do get an early look at the Cubs, at least, because they are in Arizona, not in Florida. So, but what do you think about them as, you know, rivalry teams and how they'll compete for the division? Sure. I, I think to Adam's point, playing home field advantage, they have Wrigley. I think that does play a little bit of an advantage. I, they just, it, it's a tough place to play at times. Um, and, but I think the biggest thing for the Cubs is going to be their veteran pitching staff. I mean, you look at the names, Hendricks, Stroman, Smiley, uh, Jesse Chavez, love that guy. We're teammates from spring training. Uh, with Texas, and that guy's just amazing. Chris Martin, David Robertson. Like, I, I think everything is going to be centered around what they can do about eliminating the runs. You know, you don't really know what they're going to get out of Suzuki, per se. Um, there's a, a couple of big bats if they're going to have to have career years for the Cubs. But at the same time, um, I mean, I, I don't think they can win the division. Um, you start talking about the Cardinals, and they got some big names, too. <laughs> I thought this was fun. You got Wainwright, Molina, Pujols. And this isn't like the roster from 2011 this is the roster from 2021 right. this and is the what in, year is it meme with Doc yeah, Brown what year is it yeah, any of the last 20 years when you got Wainwright <laughs> uh Arenado Edmund Goldschmidt uh Carlson O'Neill I mean they're they got offense they got defense uh they're gonna they're gonna be pitching well um I think sneakily they just put together a really good team and and th- it's a good core of guys uh the Cardinals are gonna be tough to beat this year um that yeah that's just my take I, I like that. I like that too. That the Brewers and Cardinals sort of going for it. It's pitching and defense. You know, I mean, you you met they they, they all have some good hitters. Yelich here and Willie Adamas and Goldschmidt and Arenado there. But I mean, the Cardinals are a phenomenal defensive team, and the Brewers are a great pitching team in run prevention. So it's it's kind of a cool, uh, a, a cool that the the two teams are going at it in sort of similar styles a little bit. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about the Cardinals is they're going in. To the season pretty beat up they have Flaherty who's dealing with a major injury um well you know he'll be out for a couple months and then Alex Reyes too all-star closer is on the mend so you're going in with question marks in that bullpen that already had question marks and then the front of the rotation you know unless Wainwright continues finding the fountain of youth which I don't doubt him at this point he's done it year after year so who am I to say he can't do it, it but it still brings up the question of if those guys are out for two, three months, does that hinder their ability to really fight for the division? 
I think it's still interesting. I think it's more interesting than a lot of people laid out because I think these teams both had the, I mean, as Adam said, like even if there's quote unquote bad pitching for the Cardinals, their defense is good enough to make up for a lot of that. And they also have some pretty intimidating bats, especially you look at some of the young guys coming up in Tyler O'Neill, who looks like he could be an MVP candidate in future years. Who looks like a bodybuilder too. If yeah, he looks like he's doing push-ups during yeah. this podcast. Like I don't know where he's at. Eric Thames, Tyler O'Neill, uh, arm wrestling to settle the. No, they're picking the up the back of school buses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought too small. Yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> All right. Well, and big news is we're playing the Cubs, but then we go into Baltimore for the first time in forever. Adam, what should fans know about that opening week Orioles series? Well, uh, fans who have been around the Brewers for four decades will probably hearken back to October 1982, the anniversary of that four-game series. The Brewers go in there three games up with four to play. Four games up with four to play? Three games up with four to play. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they needed to win a game, and they lost the first three, and and the division came down to the final game of the the season. Um, This is chronicled in the book, The Milwaukee Brewers at 50. Oh, great book. At bookstores, including uh, the team store. At I know Milwaukee a guy who can get you a signed Ooh. copy. Yes. Um, the shameless plug number two for the week. And uh, But, man, I, I'm going to be thinking about that a little bit, and hopefully we can do some kind of story on the site to tell that story for younger fans who maybe don't know about that day because it's, you know, I, I talked to Ted Simmons and Paul Molitor and Robin Yount and, that, that last day is one of their clearest memories of their baseball careers, even though they went on to play in the ALCS in the World Series. That, that had a World Series feel because the Orioles were just an absolute powerhouse. Um, so doesn't exactly relate to 2022 Brewers, but I just thought a little history was interesting. And it's been since 20, 2003 that the Brewers went to Baltimore. So I'm going to be thinking about how happy I am to be at Camden Yards because that until the new stadium in Arlington came came along, that Camden was like the last one on my list. And us baseball people, Tim knows this, we like keep these mental lists of stadiums. And when we go to one we haven't been and complete our list, uh, it is a very monumental thing. So this for me is a is a a, a big big series. So once again, let's make it about me, and not so much about you. <laughs> one the other Your names thing is on that the I'm podcast. Dis- yeah, I am a little disappointed. Yeah. I am a little disappointed that we're not going to get to see the Urias brothers play because they were really looking forward to that. Ramon, uh, Luis's older brother, plays for Baltimore. I think he's. I think he's going to make the team. I probably should have looked that up before we talked about this. Um, but anyway, they were they were looking forward to uh, getting together to play, and obviously, uh, Wecho is down with the with the quad, so he's he's not going to be able to play in that series. But still, the brothers may get to see each other, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, Tim, what about you? What do you want to look for in that opening week Orioles series? Yeah, I had to look up the Orioles. I just hadn't, you know. <laughs> so the other day, the other day, Buster Olney, like, I, I guess, tweeted something. Anybody else see this on Twitter? It was trending on Twitter. Like, he was, he said something about the Orioles aren't even competing. They're not spending the money and blah, blah, blah. And they're tanking. You know, the, the, the management's tanking the team. Um, and, and he got a lot of backlash for it. I mean, there's some good players on this team. 
I mean, are they going to win the division? Probably not. But are they? Can they be competitive? I think so. Mullins. I mean, that guy played 159 games last year. Uh, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. Like, there's not. Those aren't growing on trees. You got Trey Mancini. We've seen what he's done. Uh, Jordan Lyles, Robinson Chirinos, uh, Rugnid Odor, John Means had a no hitter last year. I mean, are there some top-notch players? Yeah, they're going to have some all-stars? Absolutely. Uh, to sit there and think that, you know, oh, okay, this is they're going to keep doing the same old thing, I don't believe that. And I think that's why maybe Buster was getting some some flack on Twitter the other day. I don't know him personally, and I don't need. I, don't, I didn't even read the entire tweet because <laughs> I don't have to, man. It's social media. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like a, a, a guy that's been on some bad teams and been on some good teams, you don't care what anyone says because you're playing for the guys next to you. And you know, to sit there and think, oh, we just need better players. That's an insult to the guys that are in the locker right down from you. So it's about no. Can we do it? Yes. Can we do it with the guys in the room? Yes. And so. I to to sit there and point out that a team isn't trying, uh, I, I don't believe that. Well, the other thing you mentioned playing for the teammates, you're also playing the, the cliche playing for the 29 other teams. So like Brewers fans for the series, you might be looking at second half Brewers because the Orioles are, as Tim said, they have some talent and Trey Mancini is a great, uh, a great example of a guy. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a hot name come August 2nd, which they just announced this week. The trade deadline this year is going to be August 2nd. Ooh, so August 2nd. 5 o'clock Central Time, August 2nd. Mark your calendars. That's news this week that we're sharing. I'll be on that road trip. Okay. Boston, yep. right? Well, Boston it, now right it's in Pittsburgh. It? It's Boston, okay, then Pittsburgh, Boston, right? Pittsburgh. Austin? Austin, Massachusetts? Yeah, the very same. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be talking trades in a little bit. In fact, after this break, we'll be talking trades. Willie Adamas' power scenario and... What's the favorite tailgate food for our hosts? And a surprise question that Ezra isn't prepared for. We'll be back in a second. All right, to end the show, we're going to go through a rapid round. Y'all know how it works. I ask the guys a question. They give us quick answers, and then we talk about it for a little bit. First thing I want to know is, let's start with Adam, because I know he's interested in this topic. What was your the favorite WrestleMania moment on Twitter? Oh, of this year's? Yeah. Oh, I'm totally exposing myself for having watched absolutely zero of it. You didn't even see Stone Cold come back? Oh, okay. I did see it on Twitter. Jeff Pass Jeff Passan uh was there. Um, you know, and all of those sports writers, Jeff Passan is our hero. He's <laughs> he's uh you know, he he's always dapper, suit and tie at every game. And he brings um what is the barbecue place in kansas city that everyone loves is it oklahoma joe's the gas station one oklahoma joe's he brought oklahoma joe's to game one of the world series in 2015 so he's forever my hero and um, (laughs) he was there at wrestlemania so that was my favorite thing about this uh, event that i totally watched all of yeah what about you tim yeah so wrestlemania is that like wrestling I don't really watch yeah. it, but no, I do know that Johnny Knoxville and like Wee Man were there, right? Like, yeah, the other day. They had a yeah. match. Yeah. You know, Uke tells one of his greatest stories of all his stories is hosting WrestleMania two and three, was it? The one at the Superdome in Detroit is one of the most famous WrestleManias ever. And I think Uke hosted with Mary Hart. And he tells this story about Andre the Giant, like messing with scaring Mary Hart <laughs> as kind of a joke, maybe. And Mary Hart locking herself in the bathroom and you having to like beg her to come out of the bathroom to host WrestleMania because it was starting. 
Um, and it's a funny story. Yuke and Andre the Giant were like very close. Andre the Giant got Yuke and Yuke got Andre and they like would sit there over breakfast and Andre would like eat, you know, 57 eggs and a <laughs> bottle of wine for breakfast and Yuke would sit there with him. So He'd eat that's the my favorite of WrestleMania moment, even though it's from what, oh. 30 years ago. So that's who inspired Yuke's breakfast, the 57 eggs and bottle of wine that I see him eat every day at the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you walk into the... Yeah. Yes, that's where he got that that habit from, Andre. All right. All right, Tim, over, under for Willie Adamas, 25 bombs. Over or under? Over. All right. Adam? Well, just in the interest of um, not agreeing with everything, I'll say, I'll say under. I think he can impact in other ways... Um and hit a bunch of doubles and play good defense. I'll I'll say under. Yeah, I say double over. We're going fifty bombs here for Willie. Well, fifty bombs. That's a lot, yeah. man. Fifty. I'm not saying yeah, he can't I, do it. I just. Are I you think, serious? No. <laughs> oh. Oh. No. 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 I, I, I think thirty is about the ceiling for Adamus, but uh, I'm I'm going to go. I'll go over. Just watching a mash here last year, I feel, and there's some good uh, pitching matchups for him in the division that he's going to see a lot of, I'll say over. I think just with his, well, his approach, his approach, I got to talk about this. His, he hits opposite field with power yep. as good as almost anybody in the game. And as a pitcher, you're facing a guy and your, your go-to spot, your bread and margarine is down in a way. This guy can hit it and he cannot, not only can he hit it, he can hit out of the ballpark. And we've already seen that in spring training, saw it all last year. So I, I don't think pitching has changed yet to where they're going to start going, okay, well, that's no longer a safe spot. we got to go somewhere else. I think pitching's going to have to end up pitching him down in a way, and he's going to take advantage of it. And at American Family Field, that right center for a right-handed hitter is where it seems like there's a vacuum out there because you see so many righties hit that, that have power the opposite way, like Willie, like Keston Hira does when he's right. Um, tons of home runs. for some, some, some engineer needs to figure out why that's the spot at AmFam Field. All right, Tim, uh, Adam, Adam's turn. Sorry. Adam, favorite tailgate food. <laughs> Can I talk about beer on a pod on our podcast or brewers podcast? I think it's only appropriate. Yeah. Well, then the answer is 100% a super cold beer. Like the beer that's been <laughs> in there since the night before. <laughs> and it's so cold. It makes your hand hurt. <laughs> um, and beer is food. Beer is food. The science of making beer is the same as the science of making bread. I learned that in a college class, and I'm not kidding, Mm. a class at Madison that was actually an incredibly challenging course. Um, The final exam project was was to craft brew beer. And it was like before everyone in the world was brewing beer in their garage, we had to do it as a project, and we brewed a uh, pumpkin brown ale, and we got an A. All right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, you look at Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones. What, what did he get at Fenway? A dog and a beer. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what you do. I was at a game when the Brewers were playing the Mariners. I didn't have to work that day, so I was sitting behind the dugout and had a dog and a beer and yelled at the players. And they'd look around, and be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just enjoying baseball, right?" Like that's how you enjoy baseball. You got a dog and a beer. You can hold each one with a hand. You don't need two hands. Like on, on one, they give me a big burger. Like, come on, you need two hands for that? No, hot dog, dog and a beer. Uh, brat. I'm I'm classic Wisconsin German heritage boy. I gotta that go is brat. A perfectly acceptable answer and a very good answer. <laughs> I think there's no wrong answer unless it's like broccoli. <laughs> no. I'll have a large salad and beat it. <laughs> so we talked about this when talking about Trey Mancini a little earlier, but the trade deadline's now in August. Tim, what's the biggest name in MLB that will be traded this year? 
Man, Whoa. I would have no, how would I ever know that? <laughs> hey, it's a guess. It's to be wrong later. This is the question for a color analyst that's good. <laughs> and this you're is asking the sort of me question this. where you should you need like a text the day before and like, look, I'm gonna quote unquote surprise you with the question tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't get yeah. that text from me? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, here so here's a difference thing. Uh, you start looking at some of these hitters that have a chance to get traded. You know, that maybe are the big, they're heavy, like pull, like a big left handed guy that's pull, like a Joey Gallo or somebody like that. And you think, man, these guys are going to be traded because everybody's going to want power uh, at, at the all star break or at the uh, trade deadline. But I think next year, when you start talking about what they're going to do to limit shifts, like these guys are going to come back into play bigger than ever before. So I, I don't know. I, I think guys that maybe would be traded are probably not going to be as traded likely. So I don't know. This is a question for, like I said, a good color analyst. <laughs> well, I definitely didn't just Google trade candidates 2022 <laughs> and discover that uh, on April 3rd, 2022, Mark Feinsand of MLB.com wrote a story with the top trade candidates. I definitely did not do that. So I'm just off the top of my head going to say uh, Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz of the Nationals would be good trade candidates. Uh, old friend Jesus Aguilar uh, in Miami. He's uh, going through arbitration, so you never know how that impacts a guy's relationship with the team either. That can be sometimes a little dicey and lead to a guy being a good trade candidate. We mentioned Trey Mancini. How about uh, Andrew Benintendi from the Royals? Off the top of my head again. <laughs> All right. Doing, I got one for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we're watching. There's potential extension negotiations, but the theory is if those don't get done, he'll be traded. Jose Ramirez, one of the best third basemen in baseball right now. Yeah. I think that's a great choice and would take because uh, he has some control, right? Yep. Or is he in, in he'll, he'll have if he gets traded at the deadline a year and a half. Well, you know, if the Brewers are going to trade for a guy, it's very often a guy with control. I mean, Eduardo Escobar is, is a notable, you know, exception to that rule, but they love getting guys that have a little bit of control. So it would take a haul, but that would be a fantastic. I mean, wherever he goes, he's going to be fantastic. Right. That's a that's a player that any team wants despite if they have a good situation at third base or not and the brewers i mean as fun as that is to imagine the it's a hard fit but if there's any team that manages a hard fit pretty easily it's the brewers oh yeah they don't care about like whether it's obvious fit they'll just figure it out they'll bring in mike moustakis and throw him at second base yeah well i was in the I was in the complex here in spring training. I got lost because I haven't spent a lot of time in this new complex. And I stumbled across <laughs> Matt Arnold, David Stearns. And I was just asking them about the DH, you know, that kind of stuff. Like what, what, what changed, whatever. And, and I was like, did you consider a Nelson Cruz or a Schwarber or some just guy that you just pick him up and you stick him in DH and you leave him? And, uh, and I already knew the answer. But he said, no, they want a guy that has flexibility that can play the field. So you start looking at different people that they would get, you know, that, that list that you read, having a, having a big bat or something like that. If they can't play the field well, I, I think the Brewers are going to pass. I think they want that versatility. So somebody that can play the field excellent and have a good bat, I, I mean, Ramirez might be a really good option. Plus, who knows where the Guardians are going to be at, you know, this time. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Last fun question of the day. Adam, what's your go-to pizza in the MKE? Oh, why East in Tosa? Wai's Pizza is fantastic. It's a great little um, small business. I shouldn't say small because they're so busy they sell out of their dough. They make a certain number of sourdough doughs, each dough balls, whatever you call them each day, and you got to get it early because they'll sell out. And you have to get the focaccia. You, have, you get the pizza, they're great, but you have to get the like their version of breadsticks are like 
one of the three best things to eat in the city of Milan. What's it called? Say it again. Why yeast? No, I w- mean the breadsticks. Oh, I think they're called focaccia. Yeah, it just sounded funny when you said it. I was just like, can we bleep focaccia. that out? It's, yeah, it just sounded <laughs> yeah, wrong. Okay, sorry. You made it sound wrong. Uh, well, I mean, that's yeah, I do that. Well, it depends on the time of day. Usually when I was in Milwaukee for my short stints over the and you get done late, it's got to be toppers like you just got to you need food right away. And it's that toppers is good. We got to turn you on to the pizza shuttle. The pizza shuttle is a good. Yeah, I guess that is that is that's local ish, right? Taco yeah. Bell. What'd you say? I was going to say pizza shuttle is <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. the Milwaukee version, but toppers, toppers is local enough. Yeah, I mean, cool. they were built in Whitewater as a Whitewater yeah. grad. I feel compelled to throw that I know a little something about the town out there. We're going to get so much like free pizza now. This oh, is great. Please. <laughs> that is called Plugola, my friend. Yeah. It's the <laughs> pleasures of being famous that you're not supposed to take advantage of or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's all for this edition of Brewers Unfiltered. Uh, you may be hearing from a different host in the next couple of weeks because a little baby Ford is on the way very soon. Ooh, so congrats. I'm going to disappear for just a, a little bit while I make sure wife and baby are okay. But in the meantime, if you want more from your hosts, follow Tim Dillard on Twitter and Instagram at Dim Tillard and watch him on the Valley Sports Wisconsin pre and post game show, occasionally calling the games. And you can find Adam McCalvey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also check out his work on Brewers.com. Don't forget to follow the Brewers on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And we will have a brand new episode next week, Tuesday, of Brewers Unfiltered. See you then.